You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right. What the Astros should have done last night was this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Little joke. Let me move this big old board again. Okay, we're going to be in serious now. All right. This is like a five-point turn here. Here we go. Oh, thank you, by the way, for everybody who sent me pictures of my red Isuzu ombre. Um, I got so many of those. If you missed last week's service, be thankful. Okay. Um, and that's somewhere I'm going to leave it at. So today, today we are going to talk about how to rebound from a bad decision. Um, why? Because we've all made them. And we will all make them in the future, right? And so we have to understand what the Word of God says about this because Let's face it, decisions make up the entirety of our being. We decide uh, all the time, constantly, what to eat, what to wear, where to go, what kind of attitude we're going to have, et cetera, et cetera, right? But here's the good news, and this is sometimes uh, something I think that we lose sight of, is that the Bible is filled with people that we consider to be heroes of the faith that made bad decisions, so if you've ever made a bad decision, and again, that's all of us, that's me, that's me even this week, if I'm going to be honest, right? You're not in bad company. You're not in bad company, okay? Moses, for instance, right? He gets this, under, begins to understand what God is calling him to do, and instead of handling it by the Spirit, what does he do? He goes out and he kills an Egyptian, right? That's not a good way to start your ministry tour. This, this amazing calling that Moses uh, had to, to be a part of liberating the Hebrews out of 400 years of captivity in Egypt. But here we see that Moses just operating out of what we will say is his, his emotions. He goes and he kills an Egyptian. What about David? We all know David's story, don't we? We're pretty familiar with it. David was an amazing man that God used, somebody that the scripture says was a man after God's own heart. But yet, in a moment of weakness, in a bad decision, in a moment of lust, what did he do? He lusted after Bathsheba, and not only that, but he sent her husband out to the front lines of battle and had him killed so that he could be with her. Now think about this. These are things that are terrible, terrible decisions that did have repercussions, but you're not alone when we come to this place of decisions, and especially when it comes to making bad decisions. What about Peter? Peter is a guy who I love. I can identify with a lot. Peter here was this guy at one moment who was right there with Jesus, clicking right along and even the scripture tells us that he had this amazing revelation that Jesus looks back at him and says, Hey, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but the Holy Spirit did. When Jesus asked the disciples, Who do you th- say that I am? And Peter speaks up and finally says, You are the Messiah, the Son of God. He has this moment where he understands and he's clicking right along with Jesus. But then when we look down through the rest of Jesus' ministry right up until his death, we see a series of bad decisions and failures, don't we? It starts with him whipping out his sword and trying to cut off and cutting off an officer's ear. It goes to the place where he goes and he denies Christ. And even though he says, Jesus, I'll never deny you, he denies him three times. And what's amazing about all three of these guys is that they had something in common is that they learned how to rebound from a bad decision to get back into that place of understanding 
who they were inside of God's great plan. And for us, we also need to learn the same things because, believe it or not, again, we will make bad decisions and we have to understand how to rebound from them. So today, what I want to give you is this immense, powerful grace that comes from Jesus Christ because it doesn't matter if your bad decision resulted in a terminated relationship. It doesn't matter if your bad decision resulted in an economic failure. It doesn't matter if your bad decision resulted in maybe even losing a job. Whatever it is, Jesus wants to rebound you. He wants to rebound you. He wants to rebound you. So what I want to start with is this, this principle that we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about a couple of keys this morning on how we rebound from a bad decision. But here is the underlying principle And it goes like this very simply. Is that we have a spirit. And we also have a soul. And what's the difference between our spirit and our soul? Our spirit is the place that is united with Christ Jesus. When we come into salvation. This is the place that we use the term to be born again. This is the place that communes with God. This is the place during worship that lights up as we sing these songs to Jesus and we feel a connection and a communion with God. This is where we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. This is where ultimately that God leads us from. But then we also have our soul, don't we? And our soul basically is our mind, our will. And our emotions. And the problem with decisions a lot of times is this. Is that we make our decisions not from this place. But from this place, don't we? That we make our decisions based in our mind. Sometimes we only rationalize what we think instead of asking what the Holy Spirit thinks. Sometimes we do it within the context of our will. What do I want? What gratifies the immediate need? What, what makes sense to me? What heals my wounded soul? What, what gives me a little bit of vindication when I'm wounded? Sometimes we do it out of the seat of our emotions because we're frustrated or we're in a hurry. I told you guys about this with my red Isuzu ombre. That was an emotional decision because I was in love. And even though that was a real love, right? But my, my flesh said, I got to see my lady, right? If you don't know the story, I bought a red Isuzu Ombre when I was in Bible school. It was a stick shift. And I didn't know how to drive a stick shift. And the guy who sold it to me, the dealer, lied to me and was like, you're a great stick shift driver, buddy. I begged my dad to co-sign. And my dad was like, son, wait, wait, wait. I said, no, no, no. I got to see my lady. And I made a decision out of emotions within six months of owning that vehicle. I had uh, not just run a stripe down it by running into something, but I destroyed the driver's side door. Bad decisions, right? And too often we make decisions from the seat of our soul. And this can even come in the term of understanding that sometimes bad decisions come from experiences. Sometimes we have a pattern that we've learned from our experiences That teaches us how to respond. Here's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. is to move us back into the place of making decisions from our spirit. 
He wants to move us back to this place of listening to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God is going to lead you, not just in wisdom, but in the best possible plan for the future of your life. When we choose to listen to the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about a couple of principles about rebounding from a bad decision. And I want to encourage you to write these down and make some notes about the scriptures. To go back and look at these things to just really think about these things. The first is this. Rebounding from a bad decision requires us to look fully into the grace of Jesus Christ. If we are going to rebound from a bad decision, the first thing that we have to do is look fully into the grace of Jesus Christ. Let me talk about this for just a second. Because here's the reason why, is that bad decisions have an opportunity to mark identity in us. And our decisions can become what we believe to be true about us. So that when we are making decisions in this place of our soul, this is ultimately going to become how we identify ourselves with. If you make a series of bad decisions, you might identify yourself as a failure. If you have failed in marriage over and over again, you might identify yourself as somebody who cannot be loved. All of those things are a lie. If you've made bad financial decisions, you may identify yourself as somebody who is going to be poor all of their life. The truth is, this cannot mark your identity. And the only way to correct this is to look fully into the grace of Jesus Christ. And God knows this. And so our first step in rebounding from a bad decision comes when we look fully into the grace of Jesus Christ. I want to give you a couple of scriptures for you to chew on. The first is this. In 1 John 1.9. I love this passage. It's been taught a lot better by, uh, than, than I will teach you. But I want to try to teach you this passage. It says this. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just. And will forgive us our sins. And purify us from all unrighteousness. Now. Here's the, a very practical way to understand this, that our first step should always be that when we feel like we've made a bad decision, that immediately we go to Jesus and we lift our hands up and we say, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please help me. Please restore me. But I want to give you a little bit of understanding into the depth of this passage if I can. Because this deals about the condemnation that comes from a bad decision, a failure, or a sin. And there's two important words that I see in this passage. And the first word that I want you to pay attention to in 1 John 1.9 is this, the word purify. And the Greek word purify is the word carterizo, which we get the word uh, carterize from. Any nurses or doctors here understand this term. It means to burn out impurities or to stop the bleeding, to, to, to begin the, the, the healing wound. In antiquity, it was used as the first line for antiseptic and to kill infection. 
That if there was a wound that was gushing, that they would take a hot iron and they would seal over it. That sounds incredibly painful, but it was the quickest way to get the impurities out, to stop the bleeding and for the wound to begin to heal. And so when we cry out and we say, God, we, wanna, we, we blew it, we, we made a bad decision, what we, our first response has to be is to look at the grace of Jesus. And in our prayer, when we ask him to purify us, what we're asking him to do is to please begin to heal us. Begin to heal us. Apply the balm of the Spirit to the source of the wound and begin to heal us. And when we invite the Holy Spirit into this situation, what happens is this, is he does exactly that. Because what is it, what type of wound is it that is occurring in us when we sin? It is the wound of condemnation. As soon as you make a bad decision, as soon as you blow it, who beats you up? You do. You do. You begin to believe the lies of the enemy. You begin to let this identity that has seeded from the source of your bad decision rooted in your, your soul to become the enemy tries to slip that in. And what we do when we turn our eyes to Jesus and we say we need you and we look fully into that grace is this, is we say please begin to heal this immediately so that I can get to the place of the Spirit. And that's why John writes this. And he says, "Is purify us from all unrighteousness. And the second word I want you to see is unrighteousness. Because this word in the original language means this. To cut off the root of condemnation. To cut off the root of condemnation. What is John saying? Let me give it to you in a nutshell. Hey, I blew it. I blew it. I made a decision rooted in here. I need to get back to you. I need to rebound. So what I'm going to do is this. Is that I'm going to ask you to cut this off. To cut this off. To apply the balm of the Spirit so that it seals off, that this wound seals off. And I'm asking you to remove the stain of it so that I come under the revelation of the Spirit. That I'm not living and my identity is not rooted in my soul but in my spirit. I hope that makes sense. I hope you see that. Because it's God's heart and it's a reflection of who he is and his great grace for you. That he asks you to turn to him and to make this confession. Because he doesn't want you living under the stain of your soul and the bad decisions. But he wants you to live according to the truth of the spirit. Why? Because the spirit hears the revelation of the father. Hears the truth of the message of grace. It hears the truth that you're accepted. Let me give you another passage really quick. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Our small group is going through this, and we talked through this. had a great discussion in our small group. This is why I love small groups. We, man, in our men's small group, we, get, we just get jazzed up on coffee and sweets, and we start talking about the Word, and it gets crazy. No, it's awesome, right? We tear this stuff up. But in Romans 8, 1 and 2, it says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit. Come on, y'all. Who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You're like, why are you pausing and being dramatic, Pastor? Because I want you to see something. Because we miss it. 
We look at there is therefore no condemnation. We get excited and you should. You should, you should, you should. But Paul gives us a little bit of a key that you need to see. Because he's saying this. There's no condemnation to those who are not under the law of the flesh, but are in the law of the spirit. When you come back under the righteousness of Jesus Christ, condemnation is broken. Why do you need to turn to Jesus, the grace of Jesus, first when you make a bad decision? Because you got to get your bearings straight. You got to get your bearings straight. All right, all right. This is the, if, if, if we're looking for a, a principle that is a cornerstone to this understanding of rebounding from a bad decision, this is it. And if you don't walk away from anything today, I hope you get this. I hope you get this. That in Christ Jesus, we have a loving, good God who asks us to turn to him, especially when we sin, when we make bad decisions, when we fail, to come back under the revelation of the Spirit. All right, let's go to the next one. When we make a bad decision, we need to learn and grow from our bad decision. We need to make the decision to learn and grow from our Bad decision from our mistakes. Because once the door to beginning to understand how we reconnect with our righteousness, how Jesus cleanses us from the condemnation comes, then there is an opportunity for wisdom to come inside of us and we can learn. And we can learn. Because the whole goal of, of rebounding from bad decision is so that we avoid them in the future. That we avoid them in the future. Proverbs 24, 16 says this. For though a righteous man falls seven times, they rise again. But when wicked stumble, then calamity strikes. Here's the point. Is that in our walk, yeah, we're going we're gonna to make mistakes and we're going we're gonna to have bad decisions. But when we turn to that cornerstone principle of looking fully into the grace of Jesus Christ, it gives us the opportunity to learn from those mistakes and begin to grow in the spirit. And I believe this is what Proverbs 24, 16 is telling us. Hey, look, the righteous man, yeah, you're going to fall, but you're going to get back up. And what does getting back up signify? What does it tell us is this, is that you're not out. You're not done. You're growing. You're learning. You're evolving. You're, you're growing by faith. You're growing in this journey that God has called you on. But this requires us to do a couple of things. If we're going to learn from our bad decisions, this requires us to do a couple of things. And I want to look just a little bit at this story of David, and particularly the Psalm 51. And as he rebounded from this horrific decision, and this comes after he has sinned with Bathsheba, and Bathsheba's husband has been killed. The prophet Nathan comes to him. Bathsheba is pregnant, and the child that they that Bathsheba gives birth to, dies. And the prophet Nathan looks at him and gives him the, kind of this, 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 this story and says, look, there was a man who did this and this, these horrific things, and David, what, what, should, we, what should God do? What should we do? And David's like, we should destroy him. And Nathan turns around looks at him and says, that's you. That's you, David. And this repentance comes into David's heart. And so the first thing that we have to learn, if we're going to learn from our, our mistakes, is this, is that we have to acknowledge our failures and refuse to duck behind excuses. And I want you to write that down. I want you to write it down because it's not easy. 
I want you to write it down because we need to remind ourselves. I want you to write it down because it's the first step to rebounding here and learning from our mistakes. Listen to what David writes in Psalm 51, verses 3 and 4. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Listen to what David is saying. He's not passing the buck. He's not saying, God, if you wouldn't have put all this pressure on me, God, if Saul hadn't chased me for all those years and I didn't have to run for my life and I didn't have to live with my enemies, the Philistines, if I didn't have to do all this, and God, if, if, if you wouldn't have done this to me, if you wouldn't have saw me in my dad's field tending my sheep, I wasn't even there. I wasn't even there. But you found me. You put this on me. David did not do that. What David did instead was this. He said, I know that I have sinned. And he acknowledged the first step to this uh, this truth that you can learn from this by saying, God, against you have I sinned. Against you have I sinned. And when we begin to understand that repentance And and acknowledging these things becomes the key to the grace that we need to receive to be made whole. It makes repentance beautiful, doesn't it? It makes it beautiful. But the first thing that we have to do is acknowledge our failures and refuse to duck behind excuses. Believe me, believe you me, that as I was driving that truck, mm, I wanted to blame. I even blamed him last week when I was telling you this story about the dealer. Didn't I? He was scummy, y'all. I mean, he probably got whiplash while I was driving that stick shift. Just by a show of hands, who here knows how to drive a stick shift? Okay, most of (laughs) y'all. I'm done. Can take over. Seriously. I forgot where I'm at. I'm in Texas, all right? All right, dumb question. Don't ask them about stitch. Well, I did it, y'all, so good for you. Start a small group, and I won't be in it, all right? But that guy got whiplash, I promise you. He lied through his teeth. You're, you're good at this, man. Oh, it's okay. Take your time. Oh, I got so mad at him. I got so mad at him. But no, I, I did not listen. No, I did not listen to the wisdom of my father. No, I couldn't wait. No. Because here's what's going to happen is that if I choose to believe that it's somebody else's fault or it's, it's not mine, if I don't take responsibility for it, I will fall back into the same trap when I have to make another decision. Okay? The next thing with this about learning from our mistakes, so if the first idea is this, acknowledge our failures and don't duck behind excuses, then the, then the step two to this process would be we need to reconcile any outstanding issues and not be afraid. If we're going to learn from our mistakes, we've got to make the situation right to the best of our ability, to the best of our ability. In Psalm fifty-one thirteen, this is what... David says, then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Here's what David is saying. I'm coming full circle. I'm going to address this. I'm going to deal with it. I'm not going to duck it. I'm not going to hide from it. I'm going to repent from it. It's my issue. I sinned against you. But I'm going to begin to mend it. 
I'm going to begin to mend it. I'm going to reconcile any outstanding issues. And if you put these two thoughts together, this is where the, 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 the purest term for repentance comes from. See, repentance is not simply saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. It's not just, it was not enough for David just to say, God, he acknowledged the truth. I sinned against you. I sinned against you and you only. Like, I, I started this with you. I did not listen to you. I did not listen to the people, the prophets, the people you put in my life. I did not listen. And I sinned against you and you only. But in order for repentance to come, then I have to go and try to reconcile the issue to the best of my ability. I have to reconcile the issue to the best of my ability. See, the truth is this, is that there may be some outstanding debt in this area of our life. And I don't want to keep pointing to this, but I want to, I want to show you something here. And when you come to rebounding from a bad decision, and you're trying to learn from your mistakes, the first thing is when you acknowledge that this is your issue, and that God is dealing with this, and you're bringing it before the Lord, and then you begin to deal with it, and you begin to reconcile it. Because if these things lay out here and they, they are left undealt with, if there is a relationship that was broken because of a bad decision, a friendship, because of words that were spoken and things that were said, then in order for repentance to become full cycle or full cyclical here, is that you have to go and you have to do your best to try to make that right. You have to try to make that right. If there is a debt owed, a financial debt owed, and you did somebody wrong, you need to go and try to make that right. If there is a decision with your children, wherever it is, your workplace, whatever it is, if maybe you mishandled your money and there's a bad decision there, then to make this right is that you might need to put a budget in place. Again, listen, I know that this isn't fun stuff to talk about, but this is the pure picture of what repentance means. And sometimes we lose sight of that. And sometimes we might even, dare I say, cheapen it. Because what we do is we just say, it's just simply enough for me to go and say, God, I'm sorry. Joseph, stand up here. Joseph's my friend. You're also a big fella. I was going to hit you, but I'm not going to do that. I've got to be quicker. All right. If I offend Joseph... If I offend Joseph to the point where he's hurt, you don't have to act hurt, right? He's hurt, and he's, and he's done that, and, I, and I'm, I don't care. Joseph looked at me the wrong way. He, he taught, you know, something happened. There was a misunderstanding, whatever it was. He didn't invite me to the party. I don't know. I don't care. But there's an offense between us. And I said something like, ooh, I don't like your shirt. It's ugly, right? <laughs> I'm not going to say that. But we say much worse things, don't we? I hate that guy. Oh, man, I'm never going to talk to him again. I can't believe that. And we go and we tell other people about that, don't we? But then all of a sudden, we get connected back with the Spirit. You're in worship and you're going, God, I love you. And God goes, I want you to deal with that issue with Joseph. And my first response is to go, yes, God, you're right. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Lord. And God says, I forgive you. And righteousness is restored to you. Now go do the right thing. What do I have to do? 
I have to go back to him and I have to say, Joseph, I am sorry that I did this, that I said this, that I harbored this in my life. And hopefully we can hug it out, right? No, oh, no, come on. All right. <laughs> now you got to deal with it, all right? <laughs> it's not right until we do our best to reconcile it, okay? So this is what we have to understand, all right? The, all right so the third aspect of learning from a mistake is this is putting the past behind us. When you have acknowledged and repented from our failures, when we've done that, right, we say, God, I'm sorry, just like David did. When we reconcile any outstanding issues, then you have to put it behind you. You have to put it behind you. You have to put it behind you. Paul says it's better than I ever could in Philippians 3, 12 and 14. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's what Paul's saying, just a little bit of context on Philippians 3, is he's talking about his resume as both a, a zealous Jew and somebody who had an incredible past in understanding the law but he looks at it and he says all of this is garbage i was a god i was a, a christ hater i was a christian killer i was all these things but then the grace of jesus came in and all those things i count for loss for the sake of jesus christ like i don't even measure those up but in spite of that in spite of that in spite of that uh, that righteousness that has been put on me in spite of the fact that i am reconciling and you got to know guys you got to know that paul had to go and spend the first part of his ministry reconciling the difference between here is this guy who was a christian killer and now he is called to spread the gospel of jesus christ that he had to reconcile that but the third step was this and it's equally as important is that he had to put it behind him he had to put it behind him because until you allow the holy spirit to put that behind you you will never move past it you will never move past it and so you have to put it behind you you have to put it behind you now let's go to the The next point here. So we talked about looking fully into the grace of Jesus, learning from our mistakes. Rebounding from a bad decision will cause us to grow closer to the Lord. Now here's what we need to understand is when it comes to growing in the spirit, especially, especially when we make future decisions. It's something that Pastor Spud said at during communion. It's really important for us to understand. How does rebounding from a bad decision cause us to grow closer to God? Here's what it does. Is it reminds us that we're accepted by God, not based on our performance. That God's acceptance is not rooted in your decisions. Oh, wait a second. What about all this about getting back to this place of the Spirit? This is for you. All this is for you. To get restored back under the identity of the Spirit. But God's heart towards you never changes. It never changes. It never changes. Even when you make bad decisions. 
And when you begin to experience the fullness of this grace, what takes place is this, is that you get an overwhelming understanding of this grace. Let's look at this very familiar parable in in, uh, Luke 15, the prodigal son. I love this. I just want to read 18 and 20 to you guys. This is the conversation that the, the son who is the prodigal is having in his head. As he's hit rock bottom, he's eating with the pigs. After he's spent his share of the inheritance, he says this, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. You see this theme, right? He's saying this in his head. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. Now, let's talk about this for just a second. This is Jesus telling this parable. And so he's bringing out something bigger than the sin of the prodigal. He's giving us a little snapshot into the heart of the human soul. And the heart of the human soul does this. When we blow it, when we make a mistake, what we do, again, is this. Is that we begin to formulate our identity based in our bad decisions. And this is what the prodigal son did. He's like, Dad, I'm going to have to go back and I'm going to have to say I'm sorry because I blew it. I blew the money. I sinned against you. But maybe I can be a slave in my father's house. Come on. Maybe I, the son's saying, maybe I can be like one of his hired servants. Maybe I can be a slave. Maybe he'll let me in the back door. Maybe I can just sleep in the, in the place where the other workers sleep and, and it will just go unnoticed. Maybe I can just, and he's speaking from the condition of the human soul that is wounded. But, verse 20, but while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Why is Jesus giving us these diametrically opposed positions? It's because he's showing us the magnitude of the grace of Jesus and that his love is not conditional. Oh, No, come on, y'all. Come on. Nobody, I guess nobody's blown it like I've blown it. I don't know. I don't get it. He's talking about the system of the soul versus system of the spirit. He's talking about the pattern of the world versus the pattern of the spirit, of the renewed mind. He is talking about this condition here that we suffer under because in our natural, we think when we bloat it, we are out of the race. We think that we are undeserving. We don't think that we deserve to be forgiven, to be loved, to be redeemed, anything. But the heart of the Father says something different. Friends, listen, it's not that you don't have to go. And some of us struggle to reconcile this great grace with with an outstanding sin. Especially if you've been wounded. Because we're going to talk about that in just a second. There was another brother from the same mother in this conversation. You say, I can't, I can't, ju- I can't justify this. Why, why is God so kind, but yet they hurt me so bad? And they, they, no, you, listen, if you've blown it, you still, you still got to deal with it. It doesn't redeem you from consequences. If you break the law, 
The law still applies. God will forgive you. But the grace and the love of God does not change. And we should all thank Jesus for that. Oh, man. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. All right. This reminds us. So it grows us closer to the Lord. It reminds us that God accepts us not based on our performance, all right? It also reminds us of a very practical truth is that God understands our humanity and the fact that we're not perfect, nor will we ever be. Even though God desires obedience from us, and that is the goal, to make good decisions, to learn from these things, to grow by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. We're going to close with that. But here's the thing. God understands that, hey, you're human beings. Oh, man, if you... Pull up my phone. Oh, man, it's almost time to go to lunch. Can y'all eat at 1230 today? No, you guys are like, <laughs> no. All right. <laughs> no, don't, don't even do it. All right, I'll stop with that then. All right. But it's not enough that God accepts us, not based on our performance or that he understands that we're human and we're going to make mistakes. But here's the thing. God's plan for us doesn't change even when we make mistakes. Oh, what if I could tell you that God does something supernatural and we turn to him, restore righteousness, we reconcile what we can reconcile, we put it behind us, is that he supernaturally puts us back in line with what we are called to do. That's what I love. I love, I love when people come into the church and say, I haven't been in church in so long. I haven't been in church in so long and I'm just, uh, and their heads are down and I'm like, I don't care. Welcome back. Hey, we've missed you. God loves you. You're still on track, baby. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Why? Okay, let's go back to the scripture. All right, all right this parable here. Luke 15. <laughs> Luke 15, 21 through 24. <clears throat> it says, Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they celebrated. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, not only did my love for you not change, not only did a, is there a measure of understanding that you're going you're gonna to make mistakes, but it didn't cause you to miss a beat in your calling. What you thought you were is not what I think of you. What I say of you is restored relationship. He didn't bump him down. He did not put him behind his brother, which when you read the rest of the story, here's what you hear is that there's another brother who's working away. He hears about the celebration. He stays outside. The father goes to him and says, why are you outside? Come celebrate. Your brother who was dead is now alive. And listen, this language is not lost on the reader, nor should it be lost on you. And here's what it's saying is this, is that somebody who was bound into the soul, the identity of their bad decisions, and it was rooted, and they began to believe this. This is what he said is now restored. This is death. Listen, this is death. And this is why the Spirit combats this, because this is life. 
This is life. And Jesus is saying, he was dead and now he is alive. The brother looked at him and said, I have been slaving away for you. I've been doing these things and not one time did I disobey you, dad. And the dad said, looked at him and said, you missed it. Because here's what you missed. Is that everything that I had, what did the father have? He didn't just have wealth. He didn't just have material things. He had grace. He had love. He had restoration. He had reconciliation in his heart. Everything that I have has been yours. Listen, here's the key. That when it comes to this principle, and I know sometimes this is difficult to navigate for some of us, especially if you're in the place where you're on the opposite side of a bad decision. I want to speak to this for just a second. But I want to tell you that you look and you say, look, there's somebody who has hurt me, who has hurt me, who has done this. It's painful. And they are not moving into this place of reconciliation. How do you get free? You get free by getting in line. With the Spirit of God that brings you into reconciliation. Friends, trust me. You don't want to be out here. You don't want your identity formed out here. You want your identity formed in here. Hmm. All right. Let's wrap this up. The final point is this. Rebounding from a bad decision teaches us that not all decisions are the same. Certain decisions do carry a lot more weight. I said it earlier, if you break the law, we've got cops in this room. They're going to get you. <laughs> bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do? If you break the law, you may have to pay the penalty. You may have to pay the penalty. If you make a bad decision in a relationship, it may result in a broken or severely damaged relationship. Not all decisions are the same. And so the key here is this, when we bring this conversation full circle, that the point again of, of, of rebounding from a bad decision is that we learn. And we begin to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. Let me read this to you in Psalm 39, 1 through 5. This is a Psalm of David. When David was going through a particularly hard time, <clears throat> I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. He's wrestling with something. I will, muzzle, I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. I'm not going to respond back like they're responding to me. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to muzzle my mouth. So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good. If you can't say nothing nice, don't say it at all. David said it first. But my anguish increased. David is saying this. He said, look, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold back. I'm going to put a muzzle on my mouth. But I stood there and I began to stew. And I began to understand that I'm, gonna, I'm about to pop here. My heart grew hot within me. While I meditated, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is nothing before you. Everyone is a breath, is but a breath, even those who seem secure. What did David do? He understood this, 
Not all decisions are the same. You might blow it on the little decisions, then get back up. Keep going. Step into grace. Do that. And when you blow it in the big decisions, it's okay. Step back into grace. Reconcile. Get back up there. But when it comes to making another decision, look at this model here. And ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom because this is what David did as he stood back and he said, look, I'm festering, I'm boiling, I'm boiling. And finally, when my mouth speaks out, what he asked for is the revelation of wisdom. He said, God, I want you to teach me how small my life is. That there's only so many things that I'm going to say and do in this life. It's just a hand's breadth. It's not far at all. My days are just solidly, solidly insignificant in the term of eternity. And so help me to measure my life against that. Therefore, help me to measure my decisions against that. And when we do this, what happens is that we slow down, don't we? That we begin to listen. That we begin to make wise decision investments, don't we? That we learn that we don't have to just say everything that we're feeling all the time. We don't have to respond necessarily from our hurt. We don't have to just just lash out. We don't have to be spontaneous or follow the fleetingness of our flesh. But rather we can pull back and we can wait. But it only comes through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. I think this prayer that David prayed is powerful, one that we should pray all the time. God, would you just begin to shadow me in the significance of eternity? Friends, there'll be a day we stand before the Lord, we give account for our life. You might know Jesus Christ, but still, there'll be a day where he will judge the intents and the thoughts and the actions of your heart. And the decisions that we made... And let me say with all the grace in the name of Jesus that I can give is that I too struggle in this area. We all do, don't we? Because just like David, things fester inside of us and things want to explode out of us. And if your outlet is not in the right place, then you're going to make a bad decision. But David turned to the Lord and he said, God, I can't go here. I'm going to say something stupid. I can't go here. I'm going to tell somebody something. They're going to get offended and go do something stupid. I'm going to look at you. And I need you to teach me. That my life is only going to count for so many things. So in light of your grace and in light of eternity. Maybe I can put this down. Maybe this isn't a wrestling match. Maybe I don't have to worry about Saul. You anointed me. And even if I don't sit at that seat. I'm only here. For you. God, the only one that I have to please is you. It's sobering. There's things that we have to think about when it comes to the decisions that we make. Again, how is this going to impact my relationship with God? How is this going to impact my relationship with people? We create these two directions. We're on the right path for making a good decision. How will this decision impact my future goals and the calling that God has for me? Is it going to impede that? Is it going to hurt that? I want to just leave you with just four quick things. Write these down. I know I've given you a lot of information today. I hope you took notes. You go back and you can look at it. You can add your own notes to it, your own experiences to it. Maybe you can put some decisions that you made. You parallel it. Four quick keys of godly wisdom to make wise decision investments. Four things that you have to ask yourself. 
Have I saturated this decision in prayer? Have I saturated this decision in prayer? Is my spirit or my soul making this decision? Is my spirit or my soul making this decision? The third thing is, and this is so hard, so simple but so hard. When you're making a big decision, have you waited? Sometimes the best thing you can do before you make a big decision is to wait. Is to wait. Because what seems like a good decision today could be a horrible decision tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Anybody invest in Bitcoin? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you for laughing, somebody. <laughs> Tab Cola? I don't know. <laughs> you know. Hey, listen, seriously. Sometimes we need to wait. Especially when it comes in those, those specific areas of how we respond. Just like David. Because what might be striking your heart hard today after you've saturated in prayer, after you've waited on the scale of this is, am I responding from my soul or my spirit? If you wait, you might get some clarity. It might not sting as much tomorrow. And then seek godly counsel. Seek godly counsel. Seek godly counsel. Why? Because the total purpose of this is this, is to connect back into the spirit. This is God's heart, God's desire, his, his passion, his grace, his love towards you, is to put you back in line with the spirit. So today, if you have, if you're living under the condemnation of a bad decision, today I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to bring grace to you. He wants to carterize that wound. He wants to restore righteousness to you by destroying the work of condemnation in your life. It's not who you are. Yes, you might have to go through the process. You have to repent. Yes, you have to bring in a reconcile to the best of your ability. But it is not who you are. It is not who you are. It is not who you are. And today there's healing for you. And also for every one of us today, there is wisdom that the Holy Spirit is giving us to begin to live our lives in the direction of our decisions under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. If we will simply just ask ourselves, do those four things. Hey, can we saturate this in prayer? Maybe you do two and four at the same time. You bring somebody in that you trust that speaks into your life, that has a godly influence, and you say, I'm making a decision, and I'm trying to figure out if I'm making a decision in my soul or my spirit. Can you pray with me? I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, not going to make this decision. I'm not going to respond for 24, 48 hours, one week, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, that your grace is abundant. And this is why we say this. Because, Lord, there's not one person here that hasn't made a bad decision that, or hasn't fallen short. But we thank you that you're the God who loves us, not based on what we do, but just based on who you are. And so this morning, I just pray for those folks here that might be living under the weight of, the, of condemnation, the lie of the enemy, the, 
The things that maybe even they're beating themselves up with that are keeping them awake at night, Lord, that heavy weight, Lord, they can't hold it up. And so, Father, I ask that they just, they just turn that over to you. And just right where you're sitting, if you need to make some gesture and say, God, I just, this decision, I'm, this, this mistake, this thing, I'm, 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 I can't handle it anymore, but I'm turning it over to you. Then, Father, I pray 1 John 1, 9 over them, that as they confess before you, Lord, that you are faithful. You don't change, God. That you are just. That you see us. That you know us. That you do cleanse us. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, right now, just to, to, to seal that wound. To begin to bring your healing. To break the spirit of condemnation. The lie of condemnation. Any identity that has been attached over that, Lord. Any bit of failure, Lord God. Anything that the enemy has tried to stick to them. We break that in the name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, would you just begin to restore righteousness. That the spirit of condemnation would be broken. And that the restoration of your love and your grace and your calling and your future. And your plans and your thoughts would be restored to us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us wisdom. Lord, if there's an area that we need to go to somebody or a situation that we need to begin to reconcile, then God, give us the wisdom and the grace and the courage to do that. And when we've done that, Lord, to the best of our ability, We put it behind us. Lord, help us. Help us, we pray. Lord, to make the right decisions, to lead us by the Spirit in our decision-making process. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? If I can get just a couple of prayer folks up here. Because I know in a situation like this, and uh, Marla, you can come on up. I think I saw you back there. All right. In a situation like this, guys, listen, is that I realized, like, over the last two series, <laughs> talked about offense, and now we're talking about decisions. You guys are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've had lots of people come to me and go, oh, man, I really, that's weighty. Like, that, I, I'm, I'm I, like, ugh. Somebody even asked me, please stop talking about offense because I'm, <laughs> like, it's all around me, right? I'm with you. I'm the same way. And here's the thing is it's one thing to take the word, to listen to the word and to hear it. That's, that is part of it, okay? That's absolutely part of it. We all need to do that. But there is another part, and I know this isn't for everybody, but I know this is for some of you. And this takes great faith. This takes not just faith, but a little bit of courage. Because you don't want to stay in this place. I'm telling you right now. You don't want to stay in this place. You want to get back to this place. There's life in this place. And you say, look, I need, I need, I need somebody just to, I need to get this off my chest. I need to pray with somebody. They're not counselors up here. We're not, we're not doing counseling sessions. We're going to pray over you. We're going to pray with you. I'm sorry. We're going to come in agreement and say, listen, we're, we're in your corner, just like you. We've, we've been through this stuff, but we want to come in agreement, and we want to pray, and we want to see God do something. 
And so that is the second part of this. And I want to encourage you, if that is you, please do not leave. Come up and receive prayer. Come up and receive prayer, please. Please, with all the push I can give, don't leave, but receive prayer, all right? So in just a moment, I'm going to bless you, and we're going to close. And if that's you, come forward and, and just let the Holy Spirit minister to you. He wants to. He loves you so much. He really does. Father, I bless these folks in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord, for leading us into, into the truth of your spirit. So let the richness of your grace and mercy overshadow everybody this week. In the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ the King. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up. Otherwise, have a great week. We love you.